0: What up what up welcome back to episode number two chica next versus alien podcast send a shout out to all the folks who've been hitting me up letting me know they had some amazing stories and you know i kind of already knew some of y'all folks have some good stories and i'm really really excited to hear all that i'm really excited that you guys have you know reached out and and even just told me, even just a general brief, you know, mention of your story. Uh, I'ma get at y'all. Of course, y'all know this is Chica Next versus Aliens podcast. Chica Next, with the intention of being all inclusive, but of course, focusing on people of color voice, and also including LGBTQ. So y'all, if you have a story, man, please get at me. I want to hear it. Just to think that it's gonna be so beautiful coming from your mouth. And being told to all the rest of us, and we can feel like we're a part of something. Of course, we all know that we're a part of this big, crazy, ball and universe, and we're all so connected, but it's kind of really nice to hear the stories that make it just a little weird, you know what I mean? Uh, I hope you guys have all been well. I hope that you guys have all been weird. Of course, um, San Antonio, man, is in a magical place, enchanted. With paranormal, and aliens, and UFOs, and people have been talking to me about the Texas Werewolf, and the Yucca Man, and the, the Skinwalker. I mean, oh, everything has came up. Ever since I mentioned this podcast, and people heard the first episode, I've had some amazing encounters with people. I'm so excited. Um, of course, I'm sorry that I haven't come a little quicker with my second episode, um, I'm not a professional podcaster, uh, but I do have a couple of professions, including playing music with my band, rehearsing just about every day, and uh, you know, working as a community health worker on the west side of San Antonio. Um, plus I got my family that I come to, and all my dogs and my cats. Shout out to Baby Cat, uh, my new cat uh (laughs) so anyway um i'm excited to share with you all some new things um of course uh you know that this is kind of a could be kind of a scary podcast but i think if you're down it'd be a great listen i say we should get into a story let's go outside at my house and as i'm telling you this story there's a ghetto bird circling the neighborhood who knows what it's looking for but um you know whatever another day an essay but uh yeah so you know i grew up in a little town i mean not so little but a little town outside of san antonio about two and a half hours away west on 90 uh, ...named Del Rio, and I was raised in the barrio San Felipe. Uh, I'm very proud of that, and uh, I'm very proud of my barrio. Also, the land is just so magical. There's a lot of medicine, and uh, the people are just so beautiful. But um, as, I was, as I was growing up, me and my mom, you know, she was my mom has always been a very spiritual lady... ...you know, dabbling in a lot of indigenous practices... Um, I mean, dabbling. I say dabbling. We've been doing it all our lives, and my mother has been a part of that for all her lives. Actually, my Grupo de Danza Azteca Mexica will be celebrating its 40th anniversary in April. Um, you guys are invited, of course. It's going to be at Our Lady of the Lake. Uh, but check out my Facebook, Joaquim Muerte. Uh, there's, a, there's a Facebook event that you guys can come to. Uh, and and uh, here's some lectures by some wonderful people. Uh, especially Capitan Jefe Jose Flores Peregrino, we'll be talking a little bit about the history of the Concheros and how it's survived. Um, but you know, so as a as a young person, uh, we've experienced a lot of um, you know kind of like magical things. I guess I say magical, but you know, a lot of it's very paranormal in nature. Uh, when you when you want to, you know, because for us, it wasn't like the word paranormal wasn't a thing, you know, now as an adult, yeah, we're talking about paranormal, and, you know, paranormal people grow like, oh, wow, you know, the, there was a sighting and all that kind of stuff, but for us, it was kind of a normal thing, especially during a ceremonia, when, you know, your candles would form in a certain way, or, you know, certain certain things would catch fire, or, you know, like, um you know, there was a, you know, the kind of an experience, you know, I've seen faces on, on on wood panels, or, just kind of like weird weird little things like happening in the evening especially as um, you know the ceremony gets more intense so you know like a lot of folks who do rituals and that kind of thing usually experience those kind of things especially folks that do um, you know dark rituals or even you know just whatever any kind of set, any kind of uh, religion has had these kind of experiences and and so, yeah, so we, we, you know, we had our fair share. And I remember sometimes me and my mom would kind of experience things together. And that always kind of, I, I wouldn't kind of feel like she suggested any of that stuff, but it kind of just confirmed certain things, certain ideas. Um, you know, so one, one part of the ritual that my family would do, it was, you know, uh, we would light candles, you know, and we would try to do it as a family. And that's something I'm really, I'm really blessed to say that we did we would light candles together and we would pray together as a family saying the prayers that we were taught in our tradition and uh you know we'd be we would do this in front of my mom's altar which moved around to a couple places in the house it wasn't like moving around a lot but they moved around to two different places of course my mother always felt like the altar itself was like a living you know Thing and and it, it when it called to be moved it called to be moved and so it only really moved two places but it was in the kitchen at first for a little while and when it was in the kitchen we used to light the candles in the kitchen and uh, you know we would do the four directions kind of a prayer and when we did the four directions kind of prayer you know you were looking at weird things in the kitchen you know like you'd be facing the stove at one point or facing the sink at one point it was kind of a funny kind of a little thing but but you know but you could imagine being in the kitchen right and when you were calling out the four directions you know that was kind of not your regular altar or church kind of a thing but but the but the, but the, my mom's altar was there especially the candle and the candle holder with you know with kind of her like a little small like mexica azteca uh symbols and like um uh, pictures, you know, anyway sometimes me and my mom would be there praying sometimes it would just be me and my mom, you know, because my dad would be at work or my little brother and my little sister were asleep and it would just be me and my mom and, and uh, I would be kind of like my eyes kind of closing and kind of opening as I'm intensifying the prayer and um, sometimes I would see like, like dark shadows out the corner of my eyes and my mom would be saying the prayer you know, she would be focused and, and I was thinking like, oh my god, like am I seeing this on my own? Am I like freaking out? Am I like, is it just like, you know am I su- is it just like suggestive that I'm seeing, you know, these these figures and sometimes I would look through to the side and kind of notice like a black kind of like a dark like shadow figure moving around and uh so, I was little, you know what I mean? This just kind of like, I was a, like a young kid, you know, I was like 12 or something. And so it would make me nervous, you know, and I would kind of like, but you know, but at the same time we were praying, so it was kind of like, you know, you feel like you're protected by the prayer, but you're like, at the same time you're kind of moving, you know, you feel, you feel like an intense energy. And so this one time that I looked at my mom when I saw something kind of like move like really heavy, I looked at my mom and she said, it's okay, I see him too. And it was just like confirmation that I wasn't crazy or being or feeling crazy you know and that was something that I really really appreciated about growing up in a house of of this tradition so paranormal wasn't paranormal you know what I mean it was almost normal for me and it never went away you know Uh, I would you know what when I was older and I would see other apparitions it never kind of wouldn't freak me out it kind of did freak me out of course it's always a surprise because you know you don't just expect some kind of black shadow to pop in, up in front of you, but it wasn't like you know like dead, de- deathly scared. You know, like I wasn't like scared out of my wits or nothing like that. It was just kind of like, oh wow, whoa. And um, so that I really, I really was grateful for that. And so you know, whenever so our our one of our great leaders who just recently passed, our jefes, our capitan, Andres Segura who passed um, some time ago you know we asked them about those because you know I was I was when I was little I used to have night terrors and I would have vivid dreams about scary things and I would walk in my nightmares and uh, and, and all you people folks who have had similar dreams especially sleep paralysis and that we've spoken to each other you know like I feel exactly what you're going through Um, but yeah I'm one of those guys that's has had sleep paralysis one of those persons that has had sleep paralysis and night terrors and uh, and i used to m- m- walk in my night terror and so did my brother my brother angel we would have both have uh, night terrors where we would walk in our nightmares and uh if you guys know what that's about it's very intense but the funny thing was is that the next day you know my mother would say hi mijo you were you scared us again last night and i'm just like what when you know like you, you didn't even know you had no clue that that's what you were going through um so we so you know and because i was having these these night terrors that we decided to talk to capitan andres segura when he was when he would come visit texas which he did visit texas he did visit del rio a couple times um and he said, oh, he said, you know, yes, you know, those, those black shadows that you see out of the corner of your eye and the shadow people. He said, oh yeah, that's all energy, you know, that's energy that's within your home, that's energy that's, that's within your, your life, you know, that's things that you're gonna see because of the energy that you draw as people. That's not exactly what he said, but it was very similar to kind of what he said, especially, he especially spoken in Spanish. But, um, yeah. That was one of the experiences that I had, you know, if, you, if you've seen that before, I mean, to some folks it's pretty common, you know, it's pretty common that they see the shadow out of the corner of their eye, you know? And it's funny because like, I used to see those in my home when I lived in other places, but I never, I haven't seen them in my home where I live now. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, it's funny because, you know, you would think that maybe if it was being suggested, especially if you're kind of one of the people that are like meadosos, like I was growing up, uh, you know that you would see them and then you think like oh wow like I'm seeing shadows again or you know I'm scared but um, I didn't see them in this house and, and that's funny and uh, even as a person who has seen apparitions before so um, but yeah, yeah if you've seen shadows like that before and you you've kind of had those experiences I'd like to hear what you have to say you know shoot me a message here Uh, Send it on Facebook or send me a voicemail. You can send a voicemail here on this app. If you guys have Anchor, uh, you could send a voicemail on this. Um, I'd I'd love to feature what you're saying. But, uh, so, I have another ghost story, though. I want to tell you guys about that. So, I moved to San Antonio in like 2002 i had lived in arizona first moving randomly with some dude i met man who was like yo i'm going to arizona uh you know we had, we were friends because he was kind of like dating one of my cousins but you know he kind of was like spitting a good game about going to arizona i was young i was naive you know how it goes and he was like, let's go to Arizona. I was like, I, you know, I know people in Arizona. So I said, well, let's go. And, you know, I, I, I'll let's just go. go I, I, I don't care. I'll, let's just go. And so, you know, he said, pack a bag, you know, leaving in two days or something like that. So, you know, I went to go talk to my parents about it. My parents were like, no, of course not. They were like, you know, no, no, you cannot go. And I was just like, well, I'm going, you know. So, like, I packed a bag and split. The travel, of course, to Arizona is beautiful. If you guys have never traveled out there, it is just the Beautiful desert. And I don't know if y'all are desert people. Of course, you know, some folks might be from kind of the area where there's a lot of trees. Like my Atlanta folks. There's tons of trees out in Atlanta. Like if you pass through from Del Rio going towards El Paso on the way towards New Mexico and, and Arizona. The desert is just gorgeous. Medicine. Just to see the big rocks and the saguaro cactus. And so we first went to Tempe Mesa. It was like he was he had rented an apartment on the line right so tempe and Mesa are towns that are right next to each other and he rented an apartment that was like right on the line and um so you know i was of course sleeping on the couch but he took a u-haul and i had a bag and um i went to you know tempe mesa and i was staying in tucson for a little while with one of my homies a uh, piece to to rex garcia rudy um, he was—he's he's a, a long-time friend of the families, of course, and they have close ties to Del Rio. So I stayed with him for a little while, and it was beautiful. Of course, the medicine brought me back home. Um, so back in 2002, after I kind of healed myself and felt ready to kind of go forth with my mission, which was of course to go to college, um, I moved to San Antonio. So it was like January 3rd. No, no, oh, wait, scratch that. January 14th. 2002, I think, that I decided to move in with my homeboy, Alex Hernandez, aka Maylocks. shout out to Maylocks, Alex Hernandez, man, who's doing his big things out in L.A., uh, I decided to move in, move in with him um, just in a little small one-bedroom apartment in San Antonio, and of course, I slept on the couch, sometimes on the floor, and it was difficult for me to kind of really do that but you know these guys are fun man plus it was music 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 all the time going to concerts going to punk shows going to metal shows listening to punk listening to hip-hop underground hip-hop of course and just being a part of the scene san antonio is like so easy to become part of the scene you just keep going to the same bars keep going to the same shows you see the same people you become part of the scene and uh that's the beautiful thing about san antonio is that everybody's so willing to make family eat you know, comfort food and, and, and have a good time, right, that's a San Antonio thing. So anyway, we, I decided that, you know, so I, I, I decided that I don't want to live there no more, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm, you know, where do I go? I, I can't find my own apartment, I'm a young punk that doesn't know anything about that kind of stuff, so I started to be a part of the San Antonio political activism scene and I meet a lot of folks. Back in the day, there was a group called Chicano Chicana Education Project, XXEP. They called themselves CHEP, and uh, some wonderful friends came out of that. I had some amazing, amazing friends, um, especially inspiring, such beautiful things. We used to—they used to put together zines and 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 uh, distros where they would distribute, you know, punk rock records and. You know they would go lot some of the homies were anarchists and communists, and they were like you know kind of really intense about their political vision. I loved that I loved being a part of that so in this scene, as I became more involved um I started to, uh, you know, look for a new place. And one of my very close friends sent an email out about a place that she wanted to, you know, she was living in a spot and she wanted to rent a room. So I responded. The funny thing was that she was looking for female renters. And I was the only guy that had responded to her uh, her email. (laughs) And I was a dude. But, you know, I, I invited my mom, and my dad to like be part of the, you know, interview process. And so, you know, she was like, Oh, you know, you seem like a cool dude and you're you are know, not crazy, so yeah, come on through. So I moved in. We lived in this on this house on Presa Street. Semi-caddy corner to Taco Haven. And it was a nice place, but it was crazy, old, old school house. You know, it was like, you know, wooden floors and they had, they had, the front uh, porch had pillars. And, um, but it was cool, you know, you know, I had a big room. All the houses had big rooms and big bathrooms and, and uh, big closets and so it was great. It was a nice house. I wasn't paying too much. I was paying, you know, what a regular, one bedroom renter would pay, and so anyway, we started to notice that there was like a smell or a stench of sulfur it smelled like sulfur, but no but, but, but at, the, at the moment, for us, it smelled like mold, and so we were just kind of like, "Oh, it stinks today, like what's going on we had the, we had a Underground air conditioning. Did we just assume that there was like maybe mold in the ducts, like, you know, the air ducts? And so it became a concern. You know, we were we were kind of like uh, wondering if this was going to be a problem. And so uh, we mentioned it to the landlord. You know, the landlord wasn't a cool dude. He was kind of annoying, kind of mean he wasn't like about it and so he, he came to check and he like looked into the ducts and supposedly he like checked it all out loud and nothing was wrong with it he said there's no mold and so sometimes it would smell really heavy like like ozone like earth like rotten the whole house would stink We had like meetings in there, you know, like we would have meetings there, we would have gatherings there, political meetings, like anarchist punk, anarcho-punks, communist, anti-capital uh, punishment, Green Party, I mean anything, you, Chicano, Chicana, like anything that, like, you know, movement-based things that you could think of, like, we had them there it was kind of like a little headquarters and we had a front office, but at the same time I had my bedroom there and we used the front like little office as a spot to like eat dinner. And so um, the dinner spot was the living room. We, uh, one night I invited my parents to come stay the night. You know, they they would stay the night kind of every once in a while. My parents are cool. They like to come over, drink some beers, talk some, talk and hang out and we would all hang out and be part of the scene i remember like one time the spurs one year the spurs uh, won the uh, championship and people were like honking all through the street Cause it was south it was commerce down the street and people were crazy it was like a little area so people would go all crazy honking and enjoying the street the first friday would come around and the whole neighborhood would get lit you know So one year, I mean, you know, one year, one month, my parents came over to hang out and they stayed the night. And of course, I gave them my bedroom with my cushiony bed. It wasn't that cushiony, but it was nice. Better than the couch and the floor on some sleeping bags. And so I gave them the room and I took the living room floor. My brother took the living room couch. Of course, my little sister was sleeping in the bedroom with my parents. And I slept in front, in that same dining area, kind of front room area, and I slept in a sleeping bag. And I put the, I had a stereo, I put the music on, KRTU, 91.7, College Radio Jazz, at SAC, and it was, you know, very soothing, and I fell asleep. I remember around like 3.30, 3.45 in the morning, I, um... I woke up, and I'm not even sure why, and uh, the music was off, the radio was off, it even seemed like the whole electricity was off, the whole house felt like it froze in time, and I woke up, because I noticed, you know, I don't know why I noticed, I don't know why I woke up, and um, I kind of, kind of stood up from my bed, and I was kind of like wondering what was going on I looked into the other so the, you know so the living room was a dining room and a living room so there was a dining table set out by the wall so I looked in the direction of the dining table and there was a person sitting at the table as if they were eating from a plate or writing on a like, like on, a, on a piece of paper you know were focused on their work, and I thought, "Who is that? Who can that be?" And I kind of gasped, like like, 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 a, like a like a gasp, you know, like I, I, when I saw them, I like, you know, and when I made that noise, they straightened their back, looked behind them, and I got so scared that I like kind of covered my face with a blanket and kept myself under the blanket for a little while and was wondering like, oh my God, who's in that room? Who came in that room? Like, who? who, who is it? I gave it about two minutes, you know? And then I looked out of the blanket, I looked back at the table, and there was nobody. we were in an empty room. Nobody was in there. The radio came back on 91.7. The, you know, jazz started to play again. And there was kind of like a feeling in the room of like everything was back to normal. It was crazy. We ended up getting um, evicted from the from the place because we complained so much about the smell and I wonder now if the smell was connected that sulfuric smell was connected to the ghosts or the apparitions that I had seen in that house I don't know anyway yeah that was one instance of me seeing another paranormal entity. Yo, yo, yo. If you have not had the chance to check out my band, Los Nahuatlatos, please look us up on Spotify, Apple Music. You can find us everywhere, basically any kind of streaming site except um, Pandora, unfortunately. But anyway, check out this song. This song is dedicated to anything cryptozoolistic. Cryptozoology um, is one of my favorites to record, and we've made it as a hidden track on the album, so check it out, man. I hope you guys like it. It's called Cryptozoologia. Coming up next, I had the wonderful opportunity to meet up with Mike Cardenas, who is the founder and uh, director of Midnight Paranormal Society. They are a kind of like the san antonio ghostbusters i mean they're, they're a lot more than that but they're very exciting they're kind of up and coming they've done tons of stuff they've investigated tons of houses uh... from all of San Anto- like all around san antonio and um, they also host really good uh... events um... out here in san antonio like the um, society of haunted dolls um, they do a lot of facebook lives you can find these guys on facebook with a. Uh, at uh, uh, Midnight Paranormal Society. Just search that and um, check out this interview. It's pretty interesting. All right. I'm here with Mike Cardenas uh, from the Midnight Paranormal Society. So, hey, Mike, tell me a little bit about yourself and what got you into paranormal investigations.
1: All right. So, thank you so much for having me today on this uh, podcast. Um, just to kind of take it back, I- why and you know what made me really get into the paranormal? Well, when I was a kid, uh, my mom and I—my mom was a single parent—and we grew up on the northwest of San Antonio, um, near John Jay High School. And the apartment we lived in had a lot of activity yes. going on. And so, as I was growing up, you know, I thought I had was you know I thought in my mind as a kid was a uh, imaginary friend. Until it got to the point where, you know, this imaginary friend started, you know, leaving me bruises and scratch marks and stuff. And so of course, you know, there's, you know, as I was growing up, slowly that kind of went away. You know, I I wasn't really, you know, seeing this person anymore. And there came a point where, this was back in 1988, my mom, she was having a party uh, for her friend of hers, her best friend from school her son knows his birthday and so you know her friend's like hey you know can we use your apartment for you know the place for the party and mom's like of course you know go ahead you know bring whatever you need and bring and we'll have the party here so at that moment everyone's having a good time you know me being a kid I'm sitting there watching everything happening eating my food and I over here well we all over here over here um, my mom's friend's son and his and his friend talking about the Ouija board so at that point when they start talking about that I had no idea what it was. You know, I was a little kid. I didn't, right. you know, I was oblivious to that. My mom was like, "You know, I don't want that in my house. You know, I don't want that in here." And they're like, "No, nah, please. It's just, you know, it, it ain't that bad. It's not what you think. It's just a game. Yeah, it's just a game." Yeah. So they brought it over, started playing. My mom felt really uneasy. You know, in the middle of the party, she's like, "You know what? Party over. I need to get out. Take the Ouija board. You need to leave." Wow. So, and mind you, this is dark. You know, it's a, it's a nighttime, and so, be, you know, as she's escorting everybody out you know i'm going upstairs to the second floor it's a two-story apartment upstairs and downstairs you know i'm walking to the top and i see as i went to the top of the stairway the light was on right and so as i'm walking the light cuts off from the stairway i didn't think nothing else i, was like, I gotta use restroom so i go to the top of the stairway the left side is my room the right side is my mom's room it's two bedroom on my in my room on the left i see this guy sitting down on an old school Metal desk, like it was like that chair, desk combo.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, from like boy back in the day.
0: Yeah, like like high school, middle school. Class yeah. yeah,
1: and it was a smaller one for a small little kid, and like I never, I couldn't fit in it. So from you know my big thing was I, I, I saw the man sitting in this chair, in this chair, something I couldn't fit in as a little kid, but yet a full-grown man was sitting in this chair. I couldn't get over that. So I go use the restroom, come back out, and he's still there in the room. Well, he turns and he looks at me, and he had this look of like. Like, like just sadness man but I didn't think nothing of it, I thought maybe just you know someone from the party so I go downstairs and my mom's escorting everybody out and I say hey mom this, your friend's upstairs, she's like what well, friend, as we're walking the stairway the light comes back on Boop, turns right back on she goes to the top of the stairs, we looked to my room there's nobody there, she looked into, you know, into the whole top floor of the house, of the apartment and there was nobody there so to me, that was my first experience. What led to many more experiences, and what really, I guess, set my my path to where I'm at now into the paranormal, being uh, you know, the founder of MPS and an investigator. That's what really pushed me to want to help people.
0: So are you you from around
1: here? Uh yeah, I actually grew up well, near John Jay High School. That I was born in the area. Oh, I, bo- I was born in Santa Rosa Hospital. I lived in uh, an apartments called the Castle Ridge Apartments, and. Um, it was a dark time, man, when we lived there, man. Yeah. There's so many things that happened, but, you know, I feel like I'm glad I went through that because I feel like these experiences made me into the person who I am now, you know, who really wants to help and better understand this field, you know?
0: Yeah. I feel that, man. I think that um, <clears throat> one of the important pieces is that, especially when it comes to, like, paranormal investigation or just the paranormal is that, you know, seeing is believing is one of the biggest, like, I guess you yeah. would say, like, one of the biggest things that, to help really get a grasp on just the idea of that there are ghosts or there spirits, and so yeah, I'm definitely one of those guys as a believer because I've seen plenty of apparitions in my life too. Um, and so, uh, do you know how do you know how many ghosts that you might have seen, like since you've been like from childhood, but even now as, as an investigator? Like, do you know? Could you count how many things that you might have seen?
1: Um, or heard honestly that, may, that kind
0: of make you feel like oh it's there is definitely proof I definitely understand.
1: I mean I guess I could say more than my fingers and toes combined. I mean I've I've seen I've seen with my own eyes and witness some things that I felt like I can't unsee or unhear. It's like when when they brand a horse or like a you know, or like a cow or whatever, you know once it's on there it's on there you know. Yeah. And I feel like that's what my brain is like. I got branded by what I've seen and heard. And I can't unsee or unhear it. And, you know, like I said, I mean, at the time, it was a feeling of true terror, you know? Seeing what I've seen and hearing what I've heard. But ultimately, I felt like those things were meant to happen. Because, again, it just, it just, I feel like it paved the road for me to become where I am now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I had those experiences. I mean, it, it was an eye-opener. And especially as a kid and, and having a single parent who... You know, you're looking for that person for, you know, on the answers on why this is happening. Yeah. And they turn around like, I don't know, you know. So it was it was a, a, a crazy time. Definitely.
0: So just to add to the craziness of this interview, the day was kind of already like a gloomy. It was kind of uh, drizzling and cloudy. Uh, we met up at Deco Pizza, and the people were kind of treating us really funny. They were, um, you know, there was like three servers coming out to, to help us, and they kept asking us a bunch of questions, and, um, and, you know, we had to like start and stop the interview a couple of times. Um, and, you know, when we started to get really deep, me and Mike, um, we were having conversations about, you know, weird things that happened to us, like along the way, with some of the audio I never even caught uh, of our conversation, because, you know, we wanted to be real specific to the questions. Um and then and then this woman interrupts us um, she was crying about you know begging for some change, but it wasn't just like a regular looking beggar like this woman was real kind of an older indigenous, she had tears coming coming down her eyes, and she was asking us if we speak Spanish, and just like it was really, really intense because she kind of kind of like really like humbled herself and like couldn't even look in her eyes, and she was like crying, and i mean the her her tears and her cries. Got more and more intense as she talked, so I, you know, I think we both kind of gave her a couple bucks, and then she, she left. But it was so strange that, that her timing. Here's a little catch of the snippet of the recording that we caught and she walked up.
1: Oh, I feel like I've colored because a lot of times, and it's a.
0: Okay, so, um, so how do you feel that this work is different as a person of color?
1: To answer that question as honest as I can, I feel like, you know, for some people, you know, who aren't my minorities, I guess you can say, you know, I, I feel like at times, you know, and this is a very sensitive question, but I feel like at times some people, you know, they, when they speak, they're heard clearly. And there's some of us who, when we talk about our experiences, I feel like it falls on deaf ears. Like, maybe it's not credible enough, you know. And it's just one of those things where, in the end, I'm not here to change anyone's mind about, you know, how they feel or what they think. I'll present them with what I have, I've captured or what I've, you know, experienced or what I've, you know, documented. And just like anybody who, you know, views our content, I tell them, hey, listen, this is what we documented. You, you have the right to, uh, you know, comment on it any way you feel like it. So if they want to, you know, maybe some people may see the, the evidence and be like, hey, you know what, maybe it, you know, they try they to debunk it a million and one ways, and then somebody else who may not be that minority at times can, you know, post something. It could be something like an orb, and they get all the praise in the world, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, wait a second, you know? So, but I mean, it's just, it's a hard thing to talk about, but I mean, it, you can't deny that those things happen, you know?
0: do you have like a mostly people of color team like are the majority of the folks in your team that are you know are they mexican Mexican mexican-american hispanics yeah
1: i mean it's it's a mixture like you know between you know hispanics you know mexican people who are part native american i mean it's just it's a diversity basically i mean you know if if we ever got approached by people who weren't you know that you know I guess like background, people yeah, people of color, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shoot them down because to me it's like, I'm about giving opportunity, I'm about, you know, allowing people's voices to be heard. We, we provide a judge-free zone, a platform where people can come to us and they can share their experiences and all I can tell is, listen, with us, this judge-free zone, you can talk about anything you want under the sun, at paranormal, but people who are viewing what you're posting or what you're sharing... I can't control how they respond to it. Right, you know? right,
0: right, right.
1: You know, but to me it's like I'm not against, you know, other other walks of life, you know. I'm I'm willing to work with anybody, you know, if if they you know, we don't think the same or we don't feel the same way, I'm still willing to work and, you know, make it happen. So
0: Um do you work with uh, any of your family or is it mostly just people that you meet or friends?
1: Well, in my team right now, uh the only one whose blood family is my sister Jeanette. um My sister Jeanette, she has a very powerful ability. She's a clairvoyant. My sister, you know, amongst, you know, just like all the members of my team, they all have a special ability, you know. And one thing about my team is that at one time, I was alone, man. I, I, you know, when I found an NPS, I was by myself, you know. The only one who was with me at the time was my sister Jeanette, you know. She, you know, was in and out of the team for personal reasons, but I prayed a lot. I believe in prayer. I always pray to God. I'm like, listen, Lord, you bring me the people who, who are meant to be in this team, who are not gonna just be here to write my tale or my hard work, who's gonna push me, push us to become better, and who are gonna help grind and and reach those who are wanting to be helped. And so, to get back to the question, my sister, you know, she's only blood team member, who's a, my sister, but like I said, I mean, this is my family. They're all I consider them all family, all family.
0: Let me ask you this question so do you feel like that there are other biases in the UFO community cryptid community um, ghost paranormal community
1: I I honestly I know that you addressed a little bit
0: of it but it, have you felt it like personally as like you're building your team and you guys go do investigations you guys prove some evidence like do you feel like that maybe sometimes there might be like a bias in like maybe somebody choosing you to like to do the investigation, or maybe somebody thinking that your evidence—well, you know these guys are like whatever.
1: Are you know what I mean? I honestly, I, I mean, I've seen that a lot in the field. You know, for example, you know, with NPS, you know, with the paranormal, it's a white blanket of a lot of things that that land under that blanket, under that umbrella. You know, and so there's a lot of different people who cover certain parts of the paranormal field. Us, we deal specifically, or you know, m- most of the time with spirits or ghosts. With you know, we—that's what we deal with. You know more more often than none you know that's what we deal with but i feel like in this field you know there may be a certain person or a certain team who are at you know who are investigating certain things but you know they sometimes you know we may post something or another team may post something and let's say the person who's post something they caught an apparition on camera and the person who's viewing it is into the ufo field you know what i mean or chasing bigfoot or some other part of the paranormal field and they see that evidence and they're like, ah, you know, it's not valid because, oh, you know, I wasn't there, I didn't see it, you know, but yet when they capture what they feel is an alien or some kind of alienoid or, you know, Bigfoot, they're like, no, my, my evidence is valid and, and they're just very opinionated on that matter. They feel so strongly about that matter, but I feel that in this field, it's not about who, do, who outdoes the next person, it's about how can we get together to help each other, you know right, what I mean? Right, right,
0: right. Okay, so tell me a little bit about some of the best inv- investigations and finds that you might have had.
1: Oh man, there's there's a lot of we've had several investigations, but I say one of the best investigations so I mean by far that we've had that I felt was just mind-boggling, mind-blowing was when we did the haunted Dog collection. That was one case that I mean at that at that point I had never ever investigated any kind of haunted object, you know what I mean, at that time, and when we were approached by our, our client, you know, talking about how she had haunted dolls and how another team had went to go and investigate, and how they got scared and left, I was like, first of all, I was like, wait a second, if, if a client reaches out to you, number one, there's no reason why you should be running away, you know, number two, I was like, you know, how can we get in there and check it out, so when we went to investigate, that was the first time in my paranormal you know, career that I have ever been physically harmed. Wow. You know, for me, it was, you know, the, the client's ex boyfriend was asking me to ask questions for him. Why was he being targeted? Why was he being harmed? Why did the spirit, the dolls not want him there? I told him, look, I can't guarantee I'm going to find, you know, get an answer for you. Sorry, I'm not going to get an answer for you, but I would do my very best to press and press and ask questions until I get an answer. So when I was asking about this gentleman, uh, what ended up happening was, Asked so many questions about this gentleman. And one of the ladies said, hey, there's something in the kitchen and we see something on the camera. So as I'm getting up from the sofa, I put my two hands on my, on my knees to push myself up from the sofa. And my right knee, I felt this sticky substance on my knee. And when I went to look, we were live on Facebook during this investigation. We used the light from my phone to shine on my knee. And I looked down and I see blood all over my knee. Blood. And the first thing I did when that happened was, I said, put the camera on my hands because I wanted people to see that number one, I bite the hell out of my nails, yeah. and number two, I want them to show that it wasn't self-inflicted. You know what I mean? Because I know people are gonna be like, "Well, how do we know you didn't scratch yourself?" You know? Yeah. So I want to show them there's no way I'm gonna scratch myself with. You don't have no nails. No nails, yeah. you know? And so we we kind of cleaned it up a little bit just to see, you know, what what was the cause of it. There was three deep scratches on my knee. Two Whoa. of them, two of them were, were white, where like if they got scraped above the skin. And one was blood red from where it, it right, cut me open, cut yeah, open. and that was that was, at that moment, people have told me in the past, oh man, you feel burning sensation, you feel all different types of feelings when you get you know harmed that way. I didn't feel anything if I would have never touched my knee, I would have never noticed it happened so I went home and took a shower, so that was mind blowing and that wow. and and that to me was just a I feel like a warning aid hey, me, don't be asking me so many questions, you know, yeah, and so you know or one of our recent investigations we had here several uh, several weeks ago, we we had been investigating uh, for a client here in the area. She had reached out because they had saw a man in their house and they heard dishes being slammed. And when they would go to take, you know, take a look, see what was going on, there was nobody there. And so one day, our client's boyfriend, you know, he woke up early because he heard the sounds of dishes banging on the floor, pots banging. He opened the door and he sees a man standing in the, in the kitchen doorway.
0: What? And he
1: goes after the man like, hey, what are you doing in my house? And the man just goes around the corner and he's gone. there's, I mean, they have these different locks on the door. If you're going to open those locks, you're going to hear the locks being turned when you're right. trying to get out. But there was nobody in the house. So we go investigate the place. You know, we don't know what to expect because we're like, hey, you know, it may be where we get a lot of evidence. We may not get nothing. Wow. So we go into the house and on the second investigation, my steered comes with us. And while we're there... I'm in command center and watching the monitors, I'm, I'm live on Facebook, some of the other team members are in the other rooms across the house, you know, investigating, and I hear my name get called in a weird, like, gargly sound, and I'm like, what the heck, you know, who's calling me? I, I, I look towards the monitor in the kitchen, and my sister's on the floor, her legs are bent back underneath her body. Like, if, like if, if someone came in and, like, pushed the back of her knees. Like, if she was on her knees and she fell back. Like, if she's standing straight up like this, uh-huh. and someone came behind and hit her, you know, from oh, behind your legs. Like her and, you, and you fell like this backwards, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, her legs were underneath her, like, bent. And she was laying there crying. And her face was, like, just dark red. I thought she was choking on, on food or something. Oh, so, we did. picked her up. And I tried doing the, I was gonna do the, heimlich, the heimlich maneuver on her. And when I went to grab her, she goes, something was choking me. She goes, something choked me. And I felt the hands just... Completely dropped me to the ground, and there, and I had no. I tried fighting back, but it was like imagine a grown a grown person pushing down a little kid. I Like I had no strength to to fight back. Wow! And she got dropped. We picked her up to the the living room, uh, to check her out, and one of our other members, Mike, he his ability, he's what you will, you would call a um, almost like, he and and this might sound kind of weird, but like a like a like a vampire kind of effect where he can absorb from you any kind of you know if you have if you have any kind of attachment if you have any kind of energy on you he will absorb that energy and he can disperse it without having any kind of side effect of being drained this guy he, he has an amazing gift and the crazy part is mike if he's around you any point what he'll do is he'll get close to you and he'll put his foot next to you not touching you and he starts absorbing from you i don't know why he does that but that's just what he that's does how it works for, him, for and sure. so he got close to my sister he grabbed her hand he goes don't worry i got you he grabbed her hand and he jerked his hand away from her and he goes, he said he felt like, like if he stuck his hand in the oven when he grabbed her hand. Oh, wow. And he jerked his hand away, he said he goes, I felt the, uh, like if I put my hand into the middle of, of coals, it burned my hand so bad, and he got out of the house and he left. Oh. And he's never done that before. And he goes, whatever's there, it is strong and it's powerful and it's beyond me, man. He goes, I gotta go, and he took off, man. Wow. That was crazy to see how fast he had taken off in that place, so that was, that was really interesting.
0: I've had a situation like that before for me. Uh, I was talking to a woman who was like partially schizophrenic, and I have I have a very similar kind of a situation with me. But I could, but I, that was, so you know, I kind of absorb some people's energy sometimes too. And I was given, I've known that since I was a little kid. So I can kind of maybe relate to what he was, what he might have feeling. But you know, one time I was hugging, I gave a, I gave a woman a hug who I had just helped her, and she said, you know, thank you for your help. Kind of like the woman that just visited us yeah, a second yeah. ago. Thank you for your help, but she came for a hug, and when she gave me a hug, I like felt my whole body step away from like my mind, dude.
1: Yeah, and I and
0: I had to and I told my boss, I today hey, I have to go home. I, don't, I something happened. Yeah, so I could totally relate on a level uh, about that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's an interesting ability. I mean, my team, you know, they all have their different abilities, but um, you know, I. I admire her so much. She, you know, the gift that she has, I feel like is a true blessing. Anybody who has a gift, it's a true blessing. And it doesn't mean you have to be this, you know, a sensitive or a clairvoyant. To me, my, you know, I feel like everyone has a ability, whether it's, you know, you having a big heart, you know, you care, you want to help these people. Everybody has an ability. Everyone's sensitive to this field. Um, but my sister, you know, I've seen her when we are in a case where she walked, to some, walked into somebody, our client's daughter at the time, and was able to pick up on things that... I was not even told, you know, she said, walked into to the girl and said, can I, do you mind if I give you a reading? She said, yes, go ahead. And she tells the girl, you need, you need to learn how to let go of that anger for your father or for your dad. And she goes, my, his, from what I was told, the dad was out of town working, his, he was like in, uh, like a, what is it called, uh, like aerospace, like, you know, like, you know, building airplanes and stuff. Yeah. And so, he had been out of town and, and the that, that girl tells my, Sister, oh he's out of town. I'll be fine. She goes no, your real father. And the girl's face went from just normal to just dark red and just tears point of her eyes. And I looked at mr. like, wait, what? What are you talking about? You know, I had no idea what was <laughs> going on. Yeah, yeah. And our client, like her face was like, like, how do you know this stuff? and she was stunned. Yeah, she was stunned, like, how do you know this stuff? And my sister's like, I'm sorry, but I just I just felt like I had to relay this to your daughter. She needs to learn how to let you know, let that go. And forgive them, you know, not, never forget what happened, but forgive them. And, you know, God's going to bless her, but she needs to learn how to, you know, forgive and, you know, let go of that. And so that there blew my mind because I was like, wait a second, like I had, if, if that would never happened, I would have never known. Yeah. So, wow. you know, it's, it's pretty cool.
0: So, uh, tell me a little bit about what your like investigation setup looks like. Uh, how does it kind of usually start in the evening for you and then how it kind of per- persists throughout the evening?
1: Well, for us, well, whenever my team and I, we go investigate, um, the biggest thing for us is active listening. We go, When we talk to our clients, we want to know where things are happening, you know, throughout the day in their homes. You know, whether it's a home, whether it's a business, whether it's a property, we want to know where the actions happen at. And of course, when it comes to the paranormal, activity can happen or, you know, you can have experience anywhere, no matter what time of day it is, you're gonna have an experience. But when we use our equipment, yeah. the equipment is just, it's like an extension of our body. We need these items to help document things that, you know, we may encounter or, you know, even when we're not in the area, maybe something happens and we got to make sure we have the cameras to capture this this activity going on. So when we go investigate, once our client has told us basically, hey, you know what, here at my house, it happens in room A, B, and C. You know, what we do is we have our DVR system. We have seven uh, security cameras. We, we have them on tripods. What we do is we'll, we'll make sure to lock down all the hot spots. We'll make sure to lock down around the actual properties of the house or the business, wherever we're at. Excuse me. And um, once we've locked down camera-wise where we feel like, you know, we're going to capture something, once we have the cameras locked down, we all agree that, hey, that's a good spot to have them. Then we move on to our handheld cameras. We get our camcorders, we make sure that, you know, we have our, our IR attachments ready. Everything's charged, the batteries are charged. You know, we make sure our brackets are together with the cameras and, and the uh, IR lights. Once we have that locked down, then we move on to our recorders, make sure that our recorders have batteries. You know, the recorders are big because whenever we do an investigation and we ask questions, a lot of times the, the, the frequency, the frequency When you're asking a question, when a spirit responds, it's a lot higher than ours. So a lot of times, or should I say lower, I mean, we can't hear it. So with the recorders, they can document and they they are able to pick up on when the spirits talk versus a lot of times not hearing their own ear. And then once we lock down the recorders, we make sure that we have flashlights ready. We have our other devices like our K2 meter, which picks up on what's called uh, the EMF field. And what that is, is an electronical magnetic fields. And basically... That could uh, anything that's electronic can give off EMF. So, whether it's your phone, whether it's it could be like a microwave, anything electronical can give off energy. But you want to make sure that when you're investigating, the theory is a spirit without the body, they need a a, you know, they they need energy to do anything. Any spirit needs energy to do stuff, whether it's make a sound, whether it's talk, move something, and needs energy. So, without the body even being able to store that energy for them, when the spirit absorbs energy and it disperses it it's like a one-shot thing, you know, and we want to make sure that with these devices, they can pick up on the, that energy. And then also, we have this thing called a plasma ball. And this plasma ball that we use, I'm sure, I don't know if you've seen them before, it's just a it's a plastic round ball with a black bottom and it has like, it looks like electricity going around the ball. and they, oh, they yeah. Yeah, they yeah. sell them at Spencer's and stuff, but the glass ones, well, I have a plastic version of it, I got it for like 15 bucks. Well, that device, when we turn it on, we use it um, as a, emf pump basically basically what we do with that device is we use it as like a, a buffet of energy basically so we'll put it down in location if there's no action if there's no activity going on we use a specific device to give off energy in a certain location that way the spirits can feed off that energy nice and when they feed off of it then in return they can talk to us they can communicate with us they can move something they can do anything that's going to help us, I guess, have a greater chance of of documenting evidence. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, nice.
1: And, and so, you know, with all our devices combined, you know, we do our very best. You know, we're not, we never guarantee anybody or any clients that we're gonna document something, but having all these items locked down when we do a case really is gonna help us document things that even happen once we step out, we step away from the location. You know, and a lot of times when we, when you least expect something's gonna happen. It happens, and we got to make sure we have devices device there to capture that ev- that evidence.
0: And so, what's the time frame usually? What time, do, what time do you guys get to the house, and then what time do you guys leave the house?
1: <clears throat> well, a lot of times when we investigate, we always ask for a, um, for a minimum of two hours to investigate. In um, those two hours, we can basically determine if we should continue with the investigation, or we feel like, you know what, we've been here enough time. It's time to pack up and go. Um, a lot of times when we investigate... A lot of times when we investigate... Um things can happen you know, right off the jump when we start investigating. Things can happen right away. Sometimes nothing happens at all. Yeah. You know, but a lot of times, you know, we, we, we require at least two hours minimum. And there's been times where we investigate and we and we don't leave till maybe like we'll get we'll arrive like at nine PM and we won't leave till like five or six AM the next day. Wow. You know, it and it, it all depends on how active the location is. We've we've had times where we go investigate Nothing's happening. It's completely dead. No point. No pun intended. You know, it's <laughs> but but you know everything's completely dead. There's not nothing happening. And the moment they were packing up, things just go haywire, man. And we get to unpack and start trying to capture this evidence, you know. And and that's that's the way it pretty much is when we investigate. Do you
0: think that has to do with maybe the time of the of of the day or? Because you know how some people say like around like maybe two to three thirty, two thirty to three thirty. It's like a, what they call it, the witching hour, or like the, the the spirits are kind of like more active in that time
1: frame? I mean, it, it is, but uh, realistically, you know, when it comes to the paranormal field, as far as what we do with the spirits, the ghost, you know, things can happen any time of day. Yeah, if there's something there and it really wants to show itself to you and it really wants to be known that, hey, I'm I'm here, what are you going to do about it? It can happen any time of the day. It could be morning, noon, or night. But yes, a lot of times, you know, they say that, yeah, at about 3 o'clock in the morning, 3.30 that's the witching hour that's the you know the time where everything that goes bump in the night wants to decide to show itself yeah so i mean it it it, you know in the past it has proven that it does happen a lot around that time so definitely
0: all right mike so it's been a wonderful uh, conversation. I'm super stoked about maybe sometime in the future joining uh, Midnight Paranormal Society. Tell, me, tell the folks a little bit about where they can maybe find you and some future projects you might have going on.
1: All right. So the biggest way to get a hold of us, whether you know you want to see videos of the paranormal, whether you have experiences of you want to share with us, um, or maybe you are experiencing paranormal now or know somebody who needs help. You can always reach us out on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com/forward/slash/paranormalmps. That's our biggest platform we have right now going on. Also, if if you want to message us discreetly, you don't want you know kind of you know you don't want people to know your business. You want to you know contact us privately. You can email us at paranormalmps@gmail.com. Also, you know I want to do a few uh, shout outs real quick. Um, so the of course. I always thank God first before anything because without God, we don't have nothing we have now. We're very, I'm very blessed because of God. Always, you know, guiding me and opening doors that I feel like are locked and he has a key to open them for us. Um, but I want to shout out to my team, you know, all my team members. You know, without my team, you know, I felt like I'm nothing without them. And these are amazing people. My family, you know, to Jeanette, Kayla, Mary Lou, Alma, Hector, George, Matt, Mike, and Mario. You know thank you for always being amazing people to the team you know you always always have my back Um, also you know we have a few things in store going on for us we've been working in the background Um, we actually uh, have a contract um, through from SATA they're called SATA San Antonio Um, they're actually uh, are gonna be the ones to author our book um, about our experiences what got us into the field you know expressing them you know what we had during our investigations this book's going to be an amazing way for people to, to know us more in depth. You know, we're going to help put San Antonio back on the map as far as paranormal goes. Um, also, you know, shout out to Masterminds um, for allowing us to have an episode with them. You know, we now are working, we're working and we're going to have more episodes coming up. Uh, with a uh, shout out to Dominica, to Art, uh, to Dr. AK, uh, to Melanie. Everybody at Masterminds of Sata, you know, they've been very good to us. They treat us like family you know they come out to our barbecues you know they come out to investigate with us you know the best thing for me is whenever you're going to do business with somebody you know I feel like you got to work you got to be there side by side in the field with them to better understand what's going on and without hesitation they've come out to our investigations this is something they've never done before work with the paranormal group we're the first paranormal group to work to you know have the honor to work with this company and um just being the lookout you know we're hoping that this book is going to come out or not hope but it will be out um we want to say january 2020 so be on the lookout for that book also the documentary that we're working on now um, it's gonna be mind-blowing be prepared to see a documentary that's really gonna take things to the next level and just you'll, you'll get to see us how we work as a team you know how we help our clients you know how it is before we come into the picture and after we leave the investigations how much of a difference we're able to help these people so be on the lookout and thank you again, Walking, um, uh, for having me on this podcast. And uh, you know, it's been a, a big blessing as well, man. I look forward to see this grow, man, and see where it goes.
0: Sure, man. I appreciate you coming and talking with me. Um, hopefully, next time we're having a conversation, it's sponsored, and I'm, you know, we're making a little feria from this. And
1: oh, definitely, man. But
0: I definitely can't wait to say, Yo, man! I went on an investigation with Midnight Paranormal Society, and I saw some crazy things. So, so man all right
1: dude and also don't forget i mean we have some 2019 fiesta medals if you haven't seen them go to our page we have them on there for uh on sale right now uh the 13 dollars but parts of the pro uh a percentage of the proceeds we're, get, we're gonna give back to either a church or a local you know organization you know we're gonna just donate parts of the proceeds so if you haven't gotten one please get one while they last
0: word man thank you Orale Raza, there you go. Next vs. Aliens podcast, episode two. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. Um, Want to give a shout out to Mike Garvinas once again for doing that interview, even though we had all those crazy interruptions and stuff, and then all the crazy cars passing by. I hope you guys can get through that. Um, I I had a new microphone that I bought for the phone and whatever. Um, Also, um, you know, I really enjoy telling my stories. Look out for episode number three, where I'm going to be talking to some folks uh, who live right down the street or across the street from where we rehearsed with Eddie and the Valiants. Um, there is supposedly a demon in his, uh, one of his rental properties or something like that. And so uh, there's a whole major letter writing and situation and a whole uh, interview and sounds. And I can't wait to get a hold of all that stuff. I'm going to put it all here on the podcast, so you guys stay tuned. Episode 3, you can find me now on Apple, iTunes, and, and I think Spotify. You just got to look it up. Next versus Aliens Podcast, and uh, it starts popping up. All right, y'all. Thanks for staying tuned in. Peace.